It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson, the most important story. The Washington Times said the patriotic Americans donated U.S. flags after protesters raised the Mexican flag over the ICE facility. The latest in politics and world affairs. It is not fair that, that people come in illegally and they have three square meals a day, TVs and all. There's something that is wrong with this picture. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. When we get into conversations with people, you can get real bombastic with each other because you haven't read it. You don't know what you're talking about. It's the Americhicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. So if you understand the issue, then you can have calm, reasonable conversations. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation. I'm Kim Munson, and happy Thursday to all of you. We've got a great show planned for you again today. We'll go through some of the headlines. There's a lot happening out there. Patty has put together. We almost have encyclopedias of headlines. We have so many things to talk about, Steve. I mean, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I go to print that monster out every morning, and I realize what it does to a ream of paper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing about it, Patty and I went through it yesterday morning. We're like, okay, we need to take this off, take this off. So we were trying to uh, be somewhat judicious in this. And then, uh, my gosh, there's a lot that's been going on. So we'll go through some headlines in the first segment. In the second segment, we're going to talk to Sue Moore. And she is with the Colorado's, uh, the Republican Liberty Caucus of Colorado. They are doing a Liberty Scorecard, which seems to me to be a cousin of Principles of Liberty. Principles of Liberty, the folks moved out of state. They did such amazing work regarding all this crazy legislation that is being uh, presented down at the state house on just how that affects everyday people's liberty. And people like liberty. They like freedom. And uh, so I can't wait to talk to Sue about this because this is a new endeavor for them. And I, uh, I think it's a really important endeavor. And, you know, my friends, we really need to say thank you to these, these folks that do this. Uh, if they get any funding, it's pretty limited at, uh, typically. And uh, many of them do this just in the spirit of the American spirit. And, and that is, is because they care about freedom. They care about liberty, passing it on to the next generation. So it'll be good to talk with her about that. And the third and fourth segment, Trent England, uh, he has been on national uh, news outlets, television, radio. He is uh, with the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. And one of the things that they are out to protect is the national popular vote. And uh, as many of you know, the national popular vote was passed through the Colorado, Colorado State Legislature. It was signed by Governor Polis. And in essence, it's a a real um, getting rid of the Electoral College. The Electoral College is, as hopefully you know, is in the U.S. Constitution. It's put in there to to balance things, to actually give the smaller populated states a voice in the election of our president instead of just having uh, kind of the tyranny of the majority. And and that is where your big population centers are going to make the decisions on who is president. Well, the national popular vote will basically give Coloradans a vote and voice to the big population centers like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. And and if you look at those cities, those cities have been under Democrat control for many, many years. We've seen, seen the Democrat Party continue to move further and further and further to the radical left. And in doing so, you can see that they, they talk a good game. But it goes back to uh, Stephen Kessler's question. You felt good or you say you're doing good, but did you really do good? And you're, you're getting into these cities where there's the haves and the have-nots. It is truly like socialism. 
where the elites, you know, they have their life, and then the bourgeois, everybody else, is uh, they're equal in their misery. Uh, so remember, socialism is force. Uh, free, our question, whenever we look at each of these issues, is freedom versus force, force versus freedom. It's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, or freedom via force, whether with a weapon, policy, or unpredictable and excessive taxation. And want to say thank you. Producer Steve, You, I don't want you to get a big head, but you know what? You're pretty awesome. I really appreciate you. Carry on. <laughs> okay. And uh, I don't want Zach or Patty or Keith or Charlie to get a big head either, but you know what? I really appreciate them too. Well, I was thinking the other day, you, 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 you're very generous with your, uh, and Grace filled with your response back to us, but we are kind of like a wall. We are the bricks, and you are the mortar in between the bricks holding it all together. What do you think of that? Well, I, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. But, uh, and uh, thank you to each of you listeners out there. You are treasured, you are valued, and you've got a purpose today, and you need to go out and do that. And um, also, thank you to all of my great sponsors. When you hear these different sponsors uh, throughout the, the, um, the show, I, I purchased my airtime, which is a, it's a great thing in one way because that means I have full editorial control. But the other thing is, is that means that I find my own advertisers. And each of these advertisers that you hear, I personally personally recommend i know them personally and would highly recommend each of them and want to say thank you to the harris family for their sponsorship of the federalist paper show and to liberty oil field services for their sponsorship of the health and hydrocarbon show that we have on each month okay our inspiration i i tell you steve I'm trying to think who who might be a woman I, I was thinking who might be a woman that might be pretty inspirational i thought what about joan of arc <laughs> what do you think of joan of arc I was about to say, well, Margaret Thatcher, but she's deceased. But obviously, if you're going to go with Joan of Arc, so she's deceased she. too. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Maggie Thatcher is always a, a good one. But I've, I go to Maggie Thatcher on a pretty regular basis. So all of you probably know this, but Joan of Arc was a peasant girl living in medieval France. She believed that God had chosen her to lead France to victory in its long, long-running war with England. With no military training. Joan convinced the embattled crown prince Charles of Valois, I think, I I only took one year of French, uh, to allow her to lead a French army to the besieged city of Orleans, where it achieved a momentous victory over the English and their French allies, the Burgundians. And she says, uh, I mean, this is pretty timeless. You see this from great athletes across the spectrum. All battles are first won or lost in the mind. You know, it's how we talk to ourselves. So all battles are first won or lost in the mind, and that is Joan of Arc. So today's funnies. Steve said he didn't initially get it. So hopefully you'll get it before he got it. I had to explain it. I had to explain it to you. In the interest of transparency, yes, I did not get this. So have at it, listeners. Okay. A nihilist, a a socialist, and a neo-Marxist walk into a bar to order drinks. And the bartender says... Well, we don't sell alcohol to anyone under the age of 18. <laughs> okay. I don't know which headline to go to first, but one thing I wanted to mention is uh, you might have seen this, this article that just came out. Uh, a realtor, I think it was up in Commerce City, she was doing what realtors do, uh, and she was having an open house for a house that she is, uh, had listed. And it was on a Sunday morning, it was last Sunday morning, in fact, about 1130. 
And a guy comes in, 8, 11.30 a.m., comes in, and she said he asked all the questions that, you know, typically a, a new buyer might ask, wanted to see the house. They get up to the master bedroom. At that point in time, he pulls out bear spray and uh, a knife, and he, I think he tells her to take her wedding ring off and told her to get in the closet. Well, guess what? She concealed carries. She uh, actually was, had a, a firearm so that she could protect herself. She pulled it out. He actually sprayed her. She could hardly see, but uh, she shot at him several times, not sure on whether or not she hit him, but that because she was able to carry her firearm, she was probably able to, sell, uh, to save her life. And, Steve, with all of the, these, um, these shootings that have been going on uh, throughout America, uh, instead of talking about the evil that is actually uh, making these things happen, and when we talk about mental illness, I can't wait to have Karen Catalina on next week. She is, um, a, uh, she's been a healthcare professional in her, or, excuse me, not a healthcare, a mental health uh, a professional in her life, and she had written a piece that leftism is the thing that is destroying the mental health of America. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about it. If you have a hammer, uh, Steve, can that go out and build a house? Not till you pick it up. Not till you pick it up and do something with it, right? Right. Okay. Same thing with the weapon. So is it the weapon or is it the hammer or is it the firearm that we need to get rid of? Or is it the fact that we finally need to address what many of these policies have been doing to our society, where we've been trying to divide people. We talked about it yesterday morning. We were making great progress in race relations. I remember back in the 70s where you would see kind of pictures where you would have a black hand and a white hand shaking shaking hands you know, to, to bring us together. And it's been the, the policies of leftism that is trying to divide us. And um, Donald Trump truly, I think, stands in the way of uh, these leftist policies as well as these establishment policies. And uh, that is why you're seeing that they, the, all these Democrat candidates, instead of being concerned about the victims of these very evil um, actions, instead they are just wanting to play the blame game and make people think that it was Donald Trump and his rhetoric Quite frankly, if you look at the rhetoric of each of these talking heads on these mainstream media shows, it is very divisive. And instead of talking about coming together, bringing us together, all they can talk about is the division in America. And they work to put people into groups. When you hear them say, uh, I, I want somebody, I want to elect somebody to office that looks like me. Well, you know what? You may have... Um, you know, reddish hair and, and uh, Caucasian woman. But that doesn't mean that you look like me. If you look like me, you know what it means is this, that you have a respect for this American idea, that you're willing to go out and protect that, that you think everyday people should be able to go after their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So if you happen to be black and have black curly hair and you believe that, then that's who looks like me. It's not somebody that just has the physical traits. Steve, your comment. You started out with, well, will a hammer build a, a house on its own if it's just sitting there? I love every time someone takes that analogy and puts it in front of a, a gun grabber to try to make the point, and the gun grabber never really has an answer. They're kind of stymied by that, that the fact that 
that hammer or that nine millimeter sitting on a table will sit there till eternity until somebody picks it up and does something with it. Same with the hammer, both of them. Yes. And uh, and so, uh, but the but t- let's think about this with the hammer analogy. If you take away the hammer, then the person can never go out and build a house. They can never go out and do what they needed to do, which was the the actual real purpose of that particular hammer. You could take a hammer and knock somebody over the head with it, right? I was about to say that, yes. <laughs> hey, back to your, you know, how you started here with the realtor up in Commerce City. I watched that last night on Fox 31. I was looking for another story, but that one came up. The only sad part of that story is the fact that there wasn't drops of blood in the carpet leaving the house. I was thinking the same thing, but I didn't say it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but be, being blinded with the bear spray, um, you know, okay. She's probably not able to hit the target. Yeah, but uh, you know what? She said she, that she had trained for that. That That is the other thing, is um, people that legally uh, carry firearms, they make sure that they have the training. She said, I trained for this situation, never believing that I'd actually be in this. And I'm paraphrasing. Never would be in this situation. It is your law-abiding citizens that train and handle their firearms appropriately and amazingly all of these red flag bills set up a, a situation where everyday, hardworking, law-abiding citizens who have firearms could actually be accused of something. And without any due process, their firearms could be taken from them, and they would have to get an attorney to, uh, to get their firearms back. And you may think, oh, that's okay, because I don't really like firearms. But you know what? You let government take that little inch. You know, just down the road, five years from now, you may have government officials that say, we don't like the way you're raising your kids. We don't like fill in the blank. And we can come in without a knock, and we can come in and take whatever. And that is why we have to stand on the Hill and fight for due process. Steve? I don't know. If you actually saw the uh, the segment on Fox 31, so much credit to that, that lady. She tells the story so coolly, calmly, collected. Like, oh, yeah, well, this happens from time to time, and I just deal with it. <laughs> I mean, it just hits you in the face like a like a brick. It's like you're telling this horrific story, but you're telling it so well. Yeah. Well, we're going to try to get her on. I'm sure she's in high demand, but we will try to get her on. We're going to go to break. When we come back, speaking of, of people that are finding hills to, to stand for, that is Sue Moore and everyone over at the <clears throat> Republican Liberty Caucus of Colorado. They have a Liberty scorecard, and uh, we are in a great battle of ideas here in Colorado and in America, and uh, we need to make sure that we arm ourselves with these ideas so that we can protect them, and Sue Moore is on the forefront of that, so we're going to go to break, and we'll talk with Sue when we get back. Looking for an awesome place to host your draft party? Look no further than Hooters. With tons of TVs, free Wi-Fi, world-famous wings, and ice-cold beer, you're probably thinking, it doesn't get any better than that. But wait, at Hooters, it does. Every fantasy league gets a free draft kit and over $200 in Hooters swag. Join us for fantasy football done Hooters style. Book now at Hooters.com slash football. That's Hooters.com slash football. See you at Hooters. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. 
You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back uh, to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have on the line with me Sue Moore. She is with the Republican Liberty Caucus of Colorado, and they put together a Liberty Scorecard. Sue Moore, welcome. Thank you, Kim. Uh, This looks to me like it's probably a lot of work. Well, yeah, you could say that. Um, I am the uh, the state chairman of the Republican Liberty Caucus of Colorado. We have state chapters all over the country. Um, And... um, yeah, it was a lot of work. Um, we modeled this after Principles of Liberty. Rich Bratton and Lori Bratton mm-hmm. uh, used to, to have an organization here in Colorado that would uh, do this something very similar. And I, I actually did this with Rich's blessing and a lot of his um, a lot of his assistance along the way. But yeah, we read through oh gosh over 300 bills uh, after the legislature the legislative session had closed. And then we, we got together as a committee. I had six people, six brilliant minds on my committee, and we uh, we went through the legislation. We actually selected 72 bills that we would apply our principles to and then uh, measure our, our, our um, however we rated these bills against how our legislators voted for them. And okay. that's how we came up with our scorecard. So tell us, uh, how did that turn out? Well, it was it was a little disappointing, to be honest with you. Um, no surprise to us, but none of our um, Democrats in our state legislature got higher than a, a well, an F. Uh, we had a, a few bright lights on the, the Republican side. Lori Sane, Patrick Neville, and Steve Humphrey actually got A's, which was, you know, our, our standards are quite high. So to, to get an A is really extraordinary. There were several B's on the Republican side as well. Uh, the state Senate was especially disappointing to us. The highest grade was a B, and that went to Vicki Marble, who's really been a rock star on the mm-hmm. Senate side. But, again, you know, this is the first year we've done this. Our, we, we applied very strict standards and uh, just kind of let the chips fall where they may. Now, Sue, I know with Rich and, and Lori, what they did is they actually were doing this kind of on real time as these bills were being uh, presented, which uh, it seems like that is a daunting task. Uh, I thought it was very effective, but it's very daunting. Here, uh, will you be trying to do this on real time, or will you do this at the end of the legislative session? Because I do think there's there's actually, I think there's, uh, when legislators know that they're going to be held accountable at some point, I think that that's very helpful. So what's your timeline going to be for next year? Right, yeah, no, I'm glad you asked that. That is our plan going forward. Unfortunately, we were a little late uh, getting on this this year, uh, and, and that you're exactly right. When, when Rich and Lori Bratton did this in real time on a weekly basis, um, it really had a lot more influence. A lot of legislators would call rich and say you know what do you think of this bill what do you think if i add this amendment that kind of thing and i you know uh, we would love to be in that position where we could actually influence these these uh, bills in real time as they're passing through the 
the process down at the legislature. So that is our plan, um, and we, we, you know, it, it takes a, a lot of volunteer hours, and I have a really great group of volunteers right now. I'm trying to expand that. And also in, in doing that, um, we're, we're trying to be able to afford uh, some software called Colorado Capital Watch, which will help us organize these bills, follow them through the process, you know, in real time, find out what the amendments are, 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 are uh, how they're being applied, and then re-rate these bills as they go through the process. So that is our plan going forward. Um, we've actually got a little fundraiser going on on freedomfi.com. Okay. Um, if you go to that website, it's go to a pro- look through the projects. Ours has a big picture of the Statue of Liberty, so it's kind of hard to miss. But we need to raise $950. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it is to a small organization like us. Um, we just uh, depend on our, our membership dues, quite frankly, for, for the fundraising that we do. So if you can help us out with a few dollars on that, that would be great. Um, and I, I believe our Freedom Five uh, runs out today, so if you can help us out on that, that would be awesome. But, yeah, that will help us organize, help us, you know, stay on top of these bills. And then if I can find and scare up enough volunteers to help me with this, we'll, we'll make it happen. So okay. that, that is the plan. So, Sue, what you're saying is is $950, go over to Freedom Fight, and does that help you buy that, uh, that software that you need? Right, yeah, that's just a one-year subscription. It's expensive. You know, not everyone can afford it, but it really will help us do some searches. It'll help us organize the bills that we're going through. It's, it, it would be a huge, a huge help if we could afford that software. And if we can't, we can't, and we will, make, we will do it manually, and we will make it happen to the best of our ability. But if we could afford this software, that would be, that would be a huge help. Well, I would really love it if 95 of my listeners would go to Freedom <laughs> Fi today and give 10 bucks each. Uh, and so instead of a Starbucks coffee, uh, stop by McDonald's. McDonald's has great coffee, so you can uh, make a little difference there. This is really, really, really important, Sue, what you're doing. To be watchdogs on this is so important. And particularly, um, you know, Colorado is at the tip of the spear. And we have to take a, we have to make a stand here. We saw how ugly the legislative session was last year. And uh, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing rumblings that it's not going to get any prettier this next year. No, I don't think so, um, and I, I wish we had gotten on this earlier because I think we could have influenced some votes later in the session, but, you know, it was what it was, and we did what we could with the, the resources that we had. But, yeah, our plan really is to do this real time. The session starts in January. We've got a couple of organizational meetings coming up where we're going to, you know, try and come up with a system where we can, you know, communicate with each other and analyze these bills and discuss them on Slack or whatever we have available to us and make it happen so that that's the plan it, it does take a lot of volunteer hours and i've you know i've got some really great people that are helping me out and more people are signing up so um if you're interested go to our website it's uh republican liberty caucus of colorado so it's rlcco.org and you can you can reach out to me that way um my email address is suemore 303 at gmail.com so you could also reach me that way but yeah if you want to volunteer for this project we have a worksheet it's it's really very cut and dried we don't pull any punches you know if, if a bill 
uh, doesn't pass muster, if it doesn't, you know, we apply our principles through this worksheet. If you're reading through a bill and it, you know, doesn't check a box for limited government, you know, if it expands government in any way, you know, that's going to be a negative. Um, if it if it takes away the free market, um, how the free market works in, in a certain way, then then that's a minus and and things like that. So it's um, you know it's really fairly objective. Uh, actually, it's totally objective. We think, but uh, we apply our principles. We decide to either oppose or support a bill, and then we we compare our vote versus those of our legislators and see where the chips fall. Oh, thank you so much, Sue. I thought I saw that there was a. A, a meeting this weekend. Am I dreaming that there was a meeting this weekend that you guys were putting together? Yeah, you were dreaming. Um, <laughs> no, actually, my executive committee is going to meet on Monday, so that's that's not open to the public. But going forward, probably starting in September, we'll start doing monthly meetings. We haven't done that in a while. It's it's they're hard to organize, as you know. Mm-hmm. But um, starting in September, we'll uh, we'll pick a location, hopefully something central. You know, the problem for us is that we're a statewide organization. We've got people in Grand Junction and down in Durango and down in Pueblo, and it's hard for them to get to Denver for a monthly meeting. Sure. So, you know, we do the best we can, but, um, you know, recognize that most of us are here in the metro area. So if you can make that trip, that's great. If not, we totally understand. We'll try and figure out technology, maybe Skype some people in or do what we can on a conference call. But, um, yeah, starting in September, we'll, we'll try to hold monthly meetings. We'll put out uh, the information on Facebook um, and our website, rlcco.org, okay. and, uh, and Meetup. We're also on Meetup. Fantastic. Sue Moore, thank you so much. Thank you for stepping up and doing this. Again, this is rlcco.org. And uh, I think the patriots are smiling on you, Sue Moore, so thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for what you do, Kim. Okay. Have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. And, uh, hey, Jason McBride is on the line. (laughs) Jason, there's so much going on out there. And you sent this this chart over to me. Did you really expect me to understand this on the S&P 500 with their markups and all your markups and everything on that? Well, I put the markups on there, and you did used to be a big-time trader, so I figured this just be old hat to you. <laughs> well, it is old hat to me. What does this say? What's going on? <laughs> well, I just think it's, it's interesting to look at uh, how the market has behaved since the uh, threat or the actual implementation of tariffs was brought up, and, uh, you know, back in early 2018 when... Trump started rattling his saber about tariffs. The market sold off some, but it, it held support right at about its 200-day moving average. Uh, later, you know, this or earlier this year or later in the year, it, it kind of broke through that and then recovered. So I, I think we've got some support probably around that level again. The S&P closed at I think 2883 yesterday, Kim. Uh, we would have some uh, the 200 days just below 2800, but then you see we we hit a bottom twice or a little bit earlier at 2722 and then 2728. So we might uh, watch that as kind of uh, the Mendoza line. If we really started breaking below that, it could mean a little bit bigger trouble. Okay. You know, and in this, Jason, I mean, as I look at this, I know that you spend so much time on looking at this kind of this macro picture, the big picture, the big economy. But uh, the people's everyday personal economy is what really matters to them, how they feel that they are doing. And working with you and your team over at Presidential Wealth Management, I was thinking a lot about it uh, just the other day. You said when you're thinking about retirement, 
you want to think about what you're retiring to. Right. And that made a lot of sense to me. And I don't think a lot of people have thought about that. And that is something that I think makes you and your team so unique. Well, it, it is difficult. Uh, you know, one exercise you can do uh, if you're thinking about retiring, honestly, is take out uh, a, a big piece of paper, uh, put put the days of the week on there, Monday through Sunday, and separate each day kind of into morning, afternoon, and evening, and try to fill up those 21 squares with what you think you would do every day. And, and I've always kind of said if, uh, honestly, those squares, a lot of it's just blank white, uh, you're going to get kind of bored. That's not good for you. And if you don't absolutely hate your job, maybe maybe you're better to just keep working for a while. Well, and, and uh, you are willing to sit down and talk with people about that kind of plan, what their nest egg looks like. And uh, so you and John Buckingham and the whole team over there uh, can do that at Presidential Wealth Management. Check out our, our landing page. It's chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. And after 730, Natalie is at the switchboard. That's 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. Jason, thank you so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, have a great show, Kim. Will do. And we're going to go to break. When we come back, Trent England is with the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. And one of the things that uh, he is working to protect is the electoral college votes. He's concerned about this whole national popular vote, which, of course, you know, was actually put into law here in Colorado. So I can't wait to hear a guy from Oklahoma and what his perspective is. So this is Kim Munson. We will be right back. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the Americhicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, We'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Dr. 
Hey, welcome back to The Meritics with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I am thrilled to have a conversation with Trent England. He is the executive vice president of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. He is also an author at The Federalist, and uh, he is out there working to protect the Electoral College votes um, to bring light to the national popular vote. And it's very timely because uh, we're, we're, we've got that front and center here in Colorado. So Trent England, welcome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, it's great to have you. Uh, just last week in the Complete Colorado, uh, they, uh, Mike Krause had written an excellent piece, The National Popular Vote Opponents here in Colorado turned in over 227,000 signatures to try to repeal um, the National Popular Vote out here in Colorado. Trent England, it's in very important to push back on this national popular vote. Why do you think so? Well, the national popular vote interstate compact has two big problems. One is that it, it is effectively a repeal of the Electoral College, which, uh, which I mean, we could talk about just how important the Electoral College is to our to our country, to our political stability, to the integrity of presidential elections. Uh, that's one problem with national popular vote. The other problem is that it probably wouldn't even work. You know, even for people who don't like the Electoral College, this is the most half-baked, you know, Rube Goldberg scheme type way to, to get around the Electoral College uh, that, you know, that, that even for people who, who want to do that, this is a really, really dangerous way to do it. So, I uh, mean, Colorado is right there at the forefront of pushing back on national popular vote and uh, deserves deserves the thanks of the rest of the country for it. Well, and the two people, uh, again, go to Complete Colorado to see this piece, um, is uh, Mesa County Commissioner Rose Puglisi and Monument Mayor Don Wilson. And in Colorado, we have a unique situation in our Constitution that if uh, uh, something is put through on the legislature, through the legislature, and it uh, is not for, doesn't have the safety clause. The safety clause is put in because, and they say that this needs to go into law immediately because it's for the safety and um, well-being of the people of Colorado. And they have overused that on a lot of things, but there was no way that they could actually make the case in passing the national popular vote needed to have the safety clause in there. So since it didn't, that meant that if we got enough signatures, if the people got enough signatures, that we could actually vote on that particular law. And by gosh, uh, I can't believe it, or I guess I can. When you put Rose Puglisi and Mayor Don Wilson together, uh, they accomplished, they got 227,000 signatures. I think they needed about 120 to 130. And so yeah. it looks to us like that's going to be on the ballot this uh, in 2020. Well, and, and my understanding is that what, what happened in the legislature, as you say, they overused the safety clause. I, I grew up in Washington State, same thing out there, same law, uh, same shenanigans played by the legislature all the time. My understanding what what happened in Colorado is that some of the Democrats in the legislature weren't really that excited about voting for national popular vote. And they said, look, the only way you're going to get our vote is if you don't put a safety clause on it. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, one of the things we've seen around the country is the national popular vote campaign does not want people to vote on this. Uh, they kept it off the ballot in Oregon. They've, they've kept it off the ballot in Ohio. 
um, they don't believe that they're that they can win at the ballot box, which is why they they only do this through legislatures. They don't do it as a citizens' initiative anywhere, uh, even though they claim it's really popular. And uh, this we've seen this other places. You know, there are, there are a lot of Democrats who who actually are with us on this, who who understand that the Electoral College is important, it's good for their party, forces their party to reach out to a more diverse set of Americans, not just be a party of the urban centers. Um, but obviously in the age of Trump, a lot of these guys have been kind of browbeat into supporting this, you know, because if, you, if, if you don't support national popular vote, then you must support Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, I, I think... I think this is what we're going to see at the ballot box. I think there are going to be a lot of Colorado Democrats who are going to vote to repeal national popular vote because at the end of the day, they, you know, they, they get it. This really isn't an ideological issue. It's a question of do we, do we want to have states protected in our, in our system? Do we want to protect our constitution? And do we want to keep, you know, some balance in our national politics? Uh, even even a lot of Democrats say yes to to some of those questions. So interesting to see that play out in the legislature. Well, there yeah, all kinds of questions are percolating <laughs> to the top here, Trent. First thing, though, the Electoral College is in the U.S. Constitution, and my understanding is the founders put that in place so that there would be a balance, so that the big population states wouldn't overrun the small population states. So, in essence that there would be a voice. And uh, the way I understand it is, is the number of electors is equal to the number of representatives, uh, which is based on population, plus the senators. So in the senators, every state has two. And so they tried to figure out a way to blend those things together so that uh, the smaller states would also have a voice. Now, I hope you're going to say I'm correct because I hate to be wrong, but <laughs> am I close? So that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly right. I, I tell people you, you can think of the Electoral College as a pop-up Congress. It's exactly – the math is exactly the same as Congress, right? Every state has, has just as you described, you know, electoral votes for their two senators and then for however members of the, many members of the House they have. So – you know, every state starts off with at least three, but then, you know, bigger states get a boost. Uh, but uh, it, it, it is, I mean, when they talked about it at the Constitutional Convention, they considered all kinds of ideas, including some really harebrained schemes to, to elect a president. But basically, there were three ideas. One was uh, have Congress elect a president. Uh, one was have a direct popular election, a national popular vote. And the other was an electoral college. And James Madison said, look, we, we don't want the president to be beholden to another group of politicians, so we don't want Congress to do it. But we also don't want the presidency to be dominated by one or two big population centers in the country or, or the biggest states, the biggest cities. We want that geographic balance that you talked about. And, and, I mean, James Madison said this in the debate. It's, it's written down. It's really accessible uh, for, for people to go and, and find this. Madison said, look, you know, sort of in, in theory, I'd be all for a popular vote, but we can't do that because we can't let big population centers control everybody else. And so they, they took the middle path. They, they used the electoral college system, which, which respects people voting in states, especially the way it works today, right? It's, you know, we, we all get to vote in all of our states. So it's got the, the popular vote element within states. But we use the math of, of Congress. We use this intermediate step 
to make sure that we that we keep the election in the states and represent people through the states. And, uh, and, and yeah, this is, you know, this is what they talked about at the Constitutional Convention, and all these things still apply today. Well, they do. I'm talking with Trent England. He is the executive VP of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. Uh, one question before we go to break, and that is, is if the proponents that want to get rid of the Electoral College wanted to do so, there is a way to do that in the Constitution. There's a way to do that constitutionally, and that is the amendment process. And for some reason, they've just, they, they're not going that process. Why? Well, it's, it's too hard. I mean, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't get it done through the amendment process. There, there was no way they were going to get an amendment uh, passed out by Congress and no way they're going to get enough states to, uh, to, to create an amendment that way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is their backdoor way to try to kind of sort of change the Constitution without actually following the Constitution. And, I mean, that, you know, yet, yet another problem with it, although it, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's not something, you know, some people say, well, judges would just strike this down. I, I, I don't think that's an easy question uh, to answer. I don't put my faith in judges. You know, I think this is why, you know, we the people in Colorado and in other states have got to stop this uh, in the legislature or as Colorado's doing, you know, stop it at the ballot box next year. Well, it's really amazing, again, that uh, that, this, that has occurred. And if you go to my website, americhicks.com, Jane Cheney has written two excellent pieces regarding the national popular vote. And one of the questions uh, that we that she addressed, and I'd like to go to break here, Trent, and then when we come back, have you talk about that. And that is this argument, this pushback by people that are proponents of the national popular vote. They're saying, hey, we should have in America one vote, one voice. And uh, there, I think that there's a, a good answer to that. I have my idea, but I want to hear what you have to say. So uh, we're going to go to break. This is Kim Munson. I'm talking with Trent England. He is the executive EP of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. We're talking about the national popular vote and the Electoral College, and we'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GER, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, August 2nd through Thursday, August 8th, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Spider-Man Far From Home. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more for more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Okay, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. 
Let's have a conversation. And uh, we're talking with Trent England. He is the executive vice president of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. But, Trent, before we get back to you with that question that's hanging out there, two weeks from tomorrow, Steve, you and Patty and I are going to be out at the 88 Drive-In Theater. We're going to be working in the snack bar with Susan Kochevar. I'm practicing. Do you want butter on that popcorn? <laughs> that sounds great. Did you get anybody Not else? Not going to pass up the movie butter, uh, the movie popcorn butter. You can't, Trent. I tell you, I can't wait to do that. And at this point, I think it's just you and Patty and I will be assisting. Or we'll be we'll be We're backing up everybody out there, Steve. We'll have to do some arm twisting. We'll have to do some arm twisting. Get the rest of the team, huh? So, yeah, Trent England. You know, being a small entrepreneur, our sponsors—they're so important to me, and so we're excited about this. We're going to be going out and serving some movie popcorn at the 88 Drive-In Theater out here in Colorado. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, and speaking of that, Susan Kochevar is a—she's the owner of the 88 Drive-In Theater, and she is a real supporter of the Electoral College. Just so you know that. So, Trent England, the question out there that we hear when people push back—they say. One vote, one voice. How do you respond to that? Yeah, there, there, were, there were two revolutions back uh, when our country was created, one here and one in France. And, and the American Revolution was based on the idea that, that people have rights. And the French Revolution was based on the idea of that, that, that the people should be in control. Uh, and uh, those things, people mix those things up. People think, well, people have rights. People should be in control. People should be in control. That means people must have rights. Those are, those are two different ideas. And democracy is a great mechanism to, to register the, the will of the people, to keep us in control of government. But as soon as we start saying that all we care about is just one person, one voice, one person, one vote, Right, that that's our highest principle. We forget that the whole Bill of Rights is anti-democratic. But the whole the, the Bill of Rights is the most anti-democratic part of the Constitution because, it, as with all the checks and balances, right, all those things are against democracy because they're based on the idea that the real purpose of government is protecting individual rights, and that even as we have elections, what is most important is not that, you know, that my guy wins or not that everybody is mathematically equal in, in the election scheme, but that we actually have a system of government that's able to protect individual rights. And so we, the reason we have things like the United States Senate and like the Electoral College and all these other checks and balances is because we're trying to create a government that while it, it is democratic, and of course the Electoral College is a democratic process, it's just a two-step democratic process, which does mean that sometimes the, the, the most popular votes, don't, they don't dictate the outcome because we have this, this two-step process that filters through the states. But those things are designed to promote, ultimately, uh, individual rights and individual liberty. And, and sometimes we do that just by providing for political stability because, you know, people can look around the world and across human history. If there's not enough political stability, if there's not enough political unity, that's when governments fall apart and you wind up either with tyranny or with anarchy. And in either case, you're not protecting individual rights. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we have we've really failed to educate a couple of generations of Americans about why our Constitution, just in general, I mean, not even just the Electoral College, but just 
you know, why the whole Constitution is important, is essential, uh, if we want to, to keep enjoying the blessings of liberty and safety and prosperity like we, like we have in this country for, uh, you know, well, I mean, really for, for generations and generations. Okay, Trent, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here a little bit with you. So if I'm out there, and, and bring me back if need be. But, but that is that the founders, as they were going through this discussion, as they put together the Constitution, and what you mentioned, and this has really been a recent aha for me, uh, because um, what we've put, done out here is uh, I'm partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter, and we started something called Vino and Veritas, a study of the Federalist Papers. And we're meeting at... Uh, that sounds delightful. Oh, I know Tom. He's a wonderful teacher. He is a wonderful teacher. We started at Water's Edge Winery in January, going through the Federalist Papers, and it sold out. So we added one in uh, Castle Rock down in Colorado Cork and Keg, and we still have a few spots there. And I will make a note, in September, he will be talking about slavery. And we did that uh, particular... Uh, study last month at Water's Edge Winery, and you could have heard a pin drop as he went through that. And then my friend Christy came up afterwards, and she said, after going through that whole discussion on slavery with Dr. Cranawitter, she said, I've fallen in love with the whole American idea again. And then we just opened one up in Fort Collins as well. So if you're interested in uh, getting in on Vito and Veritas, uh, you can go to my website, and you can sign up, and we'll get back with get in, in touch with you. But Trent, I had always thought about how important the individual was. I thought that America was put in place to value the individual. And so it was a little bit of a shift for me when I realized as we're going through the study that it's actually individuals' rights needed to protect the rights of people. And that was a little nuance that I didn't get until I started doing uh, the study of Vino and Veritas with Dr. Cranowitter. Yeah, that's that's true. It's not... And it's individual rights in a in a particular sense that is sometimes hard to hard to wrap our minds around today because you know we we, we have been educated or miseducated in this country, uh, especially through the 1960s and 1970s, that individual rights mean self-expression, really self-creation, that people are able to. And, and this you know this ultimately comes out in things like the transgender movement where you see people who they they want to take ultimate power over themselves and recreate themselves in their own image um, which which as a christian i i find just just terribly tragic uh, but uh, uh but but the idea of the founders was that people have certain rights that come not because we're creating ourselves in our own image but because we are created in an image uh, and we are created in a way that, that gives us a certain dignity and that within that we, we have rights uh, to our freedom of conscience, to, conscience, to freedom of thought, uh, to, to defend ourselves and our families, to, to work for an honest living. Um, it really a right to do what is right um, in, our, in our own way. Uh, and and yeah, I mean that's, it's so important to understand that because it's not just it's not just a right, uh, to, to do whatever I want. Right? It's, it's a right to, to be in society with other people and, uh, and, and be, be pursuing the good. And this, you know, you can, 
we, we can't do it here, but I, but I love to trace all this. They can trace all this back through the history of Western thought to Aristotle, and the, the, there's there's always been this running debate over whether you know whether we have individual rights, and and if we do what that means about how we should organize society and government. And the, the American founders came up with the most successful answer to those questions uh, as far as creating a government based on individual rights. And, and uh, you know, now we see people who, who want to reconsider all that. Well, and, and I do think, and also as a Christian, you know, we actually, as Christians, we have the freedom of free will. So, and, and you also have that in America. And uh, and people do have the freedom to to make these different choices about their lives, and you know I kind of feel Trent. I have my own stuff going on. I can't really, you know, be looking at everybody else. I kind of need to take care of my own yeah. house here. <laughs> However, what has now happened is these movements are now being used to uh, take away other people's property rights, and they're saying if you don't affirm what my choices are, that, that I do whatever I do. If you don't affirm that, then we're going to use the force of public policy, uh, government or, you know, commissions to take away your business. And, uh, you know, another inherent right that we're talking about is property rights. And uh, that is uh, something that we need to be really concerned about because when people have special rights, we don't have equal rights. Yeah, that that's exactly correct. And when, you know, when government can come in and tell people, uh, you know, you, you you can only run your business this way or that way. Uh, then, I mean, do we do we really own our our property anymore? Do we really own our own labor anymore? Which, you know, takes us back to to talking about you know what what is and is not slavery. If if government can uh, throw you out of work because you don't believe the right thing, uh, no, that's it's it's really it's really troubling. And and I think. You know, it's another reminder why it's it's so important to have to have states and to have most of our public policy contained in our states because, you know, at least we can have a place to go, <laughs> another state to go to maybe if 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 our state you know goes too far down the wrong tracks. But but really, hopefully, um, we we will see over time that some of these policies are not good policies and and uh, you know people don't like them and they interfere with with uh, people, you know, living together and uh, in, in, uh, operating their own businesses. And in harmony. can correct themselves. Mm-hmm. But if we force, you know, we nationalize all these things, which is really what, you know, what some of our friends on the left want to do. They, they want, you know, Elizabeth Warren says we've got to get rid of the Electoral College and then we can have national voting. We can have the federal government control elections completely. Uh, you know, things like that make us... You know, frankly, they make us dumber because we lose the ability to 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 re you know to correct our course on public policy because we don't see hey you know Colorado does it one way but New Mexico does it another way and Kansas does it a different way and you know let's compare how all this works and and then we can maybe adjust our public policy in a better direction uh, if if we if we force that kind of conformity on the country we will lose a, a whole lot. And, you know, part of why we've been so successful as a country is because we've, we've had all these states experimenting with public policy and learning from each other. Well, and we only have about a minute left. Trent England, this has been an absolute fabulous conversation. And this circles back to why we need to protect the Electoral College so that, we continue, so that each state 
can continue to have their voice in the uh, election of the, the president. And with the national popular vote, we give away Colorado's voices. We give away Colorado's votes to the big population center. And hats off to Rose Puglisi and Don Wilson for getting this uh, these signatures. And it should be on the ballot, hopefully here in 2020. Trent England, you are the executive VP of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. You're doing great work. You write for the Federalist. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Say hi to Tom Cranowitter at your Federalist Paper Seminar. That sounds great. I'll do it. Okay. Thanks so much, Trent England. And today our quote is Joan of Arc. She says, courage, do not fall back. In a little, the place will be yours. Watch, when the wind blows my banner against the bulwark, you shall take it. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Don't want no one to cry, but tell them.